Golf Podcast, presented by Golficity, where we bring you the tips, instruction, and support you need to get the most out of your golf game. And now your hosts, Frank and Mike. Hey guys, welcome back to the Golf Podcast. This is episode number 347. And in our instructional segment in a few minutes, we're going to talk about how and and why really to get your hands out in front of the ball. So if you're a newer golfer, you may have heard that term, but not quite understand the physics of why it's done or what it means. Um, but the reality is it is a very important part of the golf swing. If you want to make that crisp, clean contact that so many of us are after. And we'll, you'll see too, we'll talk about how if you look at the pros playing on the PGA Tour and you look at their swings that slow down, they do a tremendous job of this. Their mm-hmm. hands are out in front and they're really compressing the golf ball. Um, but in order to do that, there are some things you need to change in, in your setup and, and some different practice drills you can do. Uh, personally, i work been working on it quite a bit. If you guys saw our playing lesson with Brad Worthington at Pound Ridge, he had me working with the impact bag, which we'll even dive into more in a future episode. But um, I will mention it a little bit here because it's been one way that I've been working at home on getting that feeling that I need to feel of my hands out in front of the ball. And trust me, if you do it, Mike, you know, you're going to see the benefits. Yeah, I struggle with it. Talk about not, let's see, lack of consistency. Yeah. You know, and I notice when I don't get the wrist through first, that's when the club face opens. That's when I push a lot of club things right. But I've seen what you've been doing, yeah. trying to copy it. I might pick up a smash bag myself. There you go. So I got to get in the game. It is a great tool to have at yeah, home. It's, it it's is. cheap and you can you just throw some like old laundry in Plus the Plus now with the winter, it gives you something to do. It does. It does. And look, the opposite of that really good hands out in front compression is a flip. Mm-hmm. And you know, even if you've only been playing the game for a little while, you've probably already heard things like what the dreaded flip of the wrist does. Right. And by doing this, you're basically eliminating that flip and you're transferring more power to the ball. So I think it's a really important key takeaway. And we're going to, like I said, we're going to dive into it in a minute um of course i want to talk about our twitter tapping as well but first we want to thank our, our sponsor titleist guys bob Voke and his team they're always grinding to produce an amazing product and with the new sm8 wedges they've really made a giant shift forward mike you and i got to see and feel that firsthand that's right when we went through and we did our sm8 fitting and saw some great results it's like a month now it's been about a month so we've been playing them for about four weeks and they feel amazing they really do it's a good difference A huge difference. No doubt. And look, there's like some really deep scientific stuff that goes into like MOI and stuff like that. But what I can tell you is what it translates to in layman's term for the golfer is a more forgiving club, uh, a club that that spins when you need it to spin. Mm -hmm. Um, Really, again, if if you really want to hone your your game in, your short game is so key to scoring well, and wedges are really the the keys that drive that car. So make sure you guys check out the new SM8s. You guys got to experience this. If you get an, an opportunity to hit them. That's really going to be your best bet. There's a ton of great information on Vokey.com, so you can check that out. There's even a, a great tool that'll help walk you through finding the right bounce and grind, but nothing is going to replace uh, being able to really hit them firsthand. So if you can go get out and do that, it's worth it, whether it be with a professional fitter or wherever it may be. Again, put them in your hands and you'll see the difference. Make sure you check out the new SM8s. All right, guys, if you're not already following us on Twitter, say this all the time, follow us at Golficity because we get to do this Twitter tapping each week, Mike. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I do. I enjoy this as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had another great question this week and we said, what part of your golf game is currently costing you the most strokes? Mm. And I think what this starts with is first of all, awareness. I think when I was a brand new golfer, I didn't necessarily know, like maybe I had a random guess, like I didn't putt well today, but overall trending 
looking at the data and seeing like, where am I really losing my strokes? That's where things like stat tracking has yeah. really helped. And you know, and you guys hear us talk all the time, we're both shot scope users. I like it because it's hands off and that really helps track the stats for us. But no matter what, you're gonna benefit from tracking some stats, even if you do it the old pen and pencil way, you know, marking things like greens hit, fairways hit, number of putts, starting with the basic. Now, shot scope tracks hundreds of stats, uh, something that would be impossible to do you know, by hand while you're out there. But no matter what you use, just start tracking your stats because it's going to make you more educated golfer in where you need to work and improve. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So let's take a look at some of these here. Um, all right. Do you see any that pop that hops out at you? Well, let's start with Eddie right off the bat. He struggles off the tee. He says, for me, it's off the tee. I struggle to make consistent contact. Uh, I go from hitting bombs to hitting snap hooks in a matter of one hole. So there's no consistency off the tee with him. So mm -hmm. I, I could see that being a consistent theme here. Yeah, it is. And and I think that's something that yep. it's funny. We talk often like about not just going to the driving range and just hitting driver constantly, but there's also that that's kind of practicing we talk about without a purpose and without any type of real awareness. But when you do have that awareness, if you find that it is that you're struggling off the tee, it might be a good idea to go down and get a range session with just driver. But again, don't just swing away and let it just go wherever it is. Have intended targets. Get to the right. driving range mm -hmm. and, and visualize different lanes and fairways and mix them up and change them and, and push yourself just like you would be on, on the golf course because on the golf course, no two tee shots are the same. Right. So go similarly, identify different targets and go for them and work on that because it can be so key. Um, Eric Benzenberg as well, he weighed in, he said the same thing. He said, off the tee, I need to put myself in a better place, fairways, to set up a second shot. And it's it really is true. I mean, if you can kind of nail in driver and, and wedges, you'd be surprised how much better your game is going to get. Because if you put yourself off mm -hmm. the tee and A, a better position to score like a fairway, but B, just eliminating the trouble. So many of us amateur golfers lose a lot of strokes because we put that drive either you know, OB is worst case scenario or in a hazard right. or not even that. We just put ourselves in a position where we, it's basically the next shot's unplayable. Like how many times, Mike, do we have to punch <laughs> out, right? Exactly, exactly. We're used to that a lot. Um, you know, for me, Frank, it's just a, just a way in here. I mean, the mid game for me is the most inconsistent. I mean, I feel like I'm confident getting off the tee. I feel like I can get a good drive out there. Yeah. And if I can get it far enough, then I'm pretty confident in that, you know, 60 yards in in game for me. Right. However, if I'm coming into a green from 150, 130, I don't really hit that many greens. I'm just looking at my green success. It's not that great. It's 21% mm. according to shot scope here. So, you know, that that's the weakness. If I can get up on the green, then I'm going to have more, you know, two putts make a lot more pars and have a better score. Uh, around the green, great. Off the tee, great. For me, it's mid-game. Yeah. So that's where you know. And then that's where you can build a focused practice session around that. Because um, no no two lies are the same out in the middle of the fairway. Right. You may you, you may get a flat tee box on 17 of the 18 holes. You, you may be great around the green, but you, you're in that fairway or on that rough. It's, yeah. it's a different ballgame. Well, and that's what identifies it. You're saying that a big key takeaway for you of what's struggling for that success is being able to attack different lies. Exactly. And, mm -hmm. and we've done some podcasts on that, but that's something that, again, it's if you ask, if you find yourself asking the question, why does my range game not translate to my, you know, on the course game? It's because on the range, there's no pressure, which you can, you can put yourself in a pressure situation to simulate it, but there's very hard to practice different lies because there's very few 
practice facilities that let you take full swings with ball above your feet, below your feet, yep. you know, uphill lie, downhill lie. So that can be a challenge to, to be able to practice that. But that's where on course practice really helps too. And instead of thinking like, oh shoot, I'm in another one of these bad lie positions, think of it as an opportunity to practice that part of your game. Mm-hmm. Um, these are great. I'm, I'm laughing as I'm going through these. Go too. ahead. Give me there's one. a lot of humor too. What do you got? We've got uh, where well, first. Um, Jeff Peterson says, what day is it? Question mark. <laughs> Love it. Uh, driver with a... Look at this gift right here. This car just driving off the road. <laughs> That's yeah. Brad Stovey's uh, tea game right there of a car driving off the road. Uh, but no, on a more serious note, um, I found a good one here. Approach Irons, Kathy DG. Yep, I'm there with you. You're ready for new irons. Go get fitted for new irons. You'll do yourself a huge favor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to see if anything else... Yeah, we, we learned that recently too. Um, even in... Mid-irons, just following along with Jeremy's and, fitting, which we did at Five Iron, where we're just seeing the idea of of that lie angle. Um, just having the wrong lie angle on unfit clubs can cause a consistent miss in one direction or the other. So that that can really help. You don't know about seeing a lot of putting. I see a few. I would say that would have been my answer anyway, is putting. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's key. And then here we have uh, uh, Carter Moss says, anytime I have to hit my four iron or three hybrid, not the easiest clubs to hit. So, um, yeah, it's a tough again, club for a lot. It is a tough club, but it's also often a tough club because we don't hit them that often. Um, so I found like I was struggling the same way with my three wood. And then I looked at my shot scope usage and it was just like way, way, way down. Yep. Right. So just by a forcing to myself to use it in more practice situations and doing one or two, it doesn't, I'm not talking about committing a whole season. It doesn't take that much. One or two dedicated practice sessions, uh, at the range, you'd be surprised at how much it bumps up your ability to hit that club. So let's say whatever club is, if it's your hybrid and you're having trouble hitting it, it was for me, it was hybrid too at one point. Right. Now I love yeah. hitting it because I hit it more often. Go to the range, even a small bucket of balls. What's that? Like 25 balls, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Imagine you do that twice, right? That's 50 balls that you've now hit with that. Do you know how many times on the golf course it would take to get 50 strokes with the same club? It's yeah. probably like 15 to 20 rounds. Right. So you can make up a lot of lost time. So what I would say is, don't shy away from the stuff that's difficult. Do it. Go out and then hit those clubs, and that will really help. I'd uh, say if you want to put it more into play, what I do struggled. I just put a four iron in the bag for the first time, and I have a hybrid. I don't use them that often, but I would suggest Carter go out, maybe play around with hitting three iron. I'm sorry, four iron hybrid off your tee throughout the entire round. Yeah, because a practice session can all be can also be out on the course. Don't think about range and chipping areas. Right. Do like a nine hole round. 18 hole whatever use the iron or the hybrid off the tee get used to it and then your next shot probably will be that same hybrid or four iron again yeah because you're gonna leave yourself a lot and just get in the habit of swinging it out on the course yeah yeah no and no one really wants to do that because we don't want to be forced into out of our comfort zone saying like i think i could score better if i didn't hit the club here that i that i don't hit well but you got to look at the long like golf is the the long game yep you got to look at the long-term benefits of doing it and and mike's got a great point like just go out and hit it off a couple of shots where you normally would shy away from it and just know like go in with the expectation that there's going to be some growing pains oh yeah but treat each one as a learning moment like after you'd hit this quote-unquote bad shot think about like what did i hit what did i do wrong here right and if you make a mental or physical note of that and you could go to those practice sessions and just try to hit it dude it took me years (laughs) for my three wood i hated it never wanted to use it 
I couldn't hit it. I can't hit this big club in the middle of a fairway without it being teed up. I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Yeah. I put it into play. I just kept doing it, sacrificing bad shots. And now it's like one of my favorite clubs. Yeah. Back. What's so wild about that is now when you're not hitting your driver well, you go to your go to it's my go to. Yeah. <laughs> so there you it go. Just proves it's proof right there. The last one I want to highlight too mm. here is Manny seventy nine. There's a lot of there's by the way there's a lot of great responses. Yeah. Here. Thank you. You can see them all. Make sure you follow us and follow the hashtag uh, Twitter tap and to see all the responses. But we can only highlight a few here but manny said chipping and he said but hopefully it'll be improved once i have my cataract surgery Mm -hmm. so hey manny you know all all the luck in the world with that with the surgery but um i want to say with the chipping too because again something that i've had a similar experience to i was terrible at chipping i still don't consider myself a great chipper by any means but it's, it's always a work in progress but by putting the time into it I was better at it, which led to more confidence, which I found affected other areas of my game because Mm -hmm. I started to be a little bit more confident going into my approach shots and could even get a little bit more aggressive with my targets because I knew if I miss and I was just off the green, I could rely more on my chipping. Whereas previous to that, when I was scared to death to chip, I found that I was taking approach shots that were not confident which were causing you know major screw-ups at times Mm -hmm. and other times aiming for like the dead center of the green you play some big greens would 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 result in these very difficult two putts so i would say you know first yeah get get that that surgery done and you know wish you well with that but then secondly putting the time into that chipping um you'd be surprised how it helps other areas of your game oh yeah for sure Mm -hmm. All right, let's do a quick word from our sponsors, Mike, and then we're going to talk about why and then how to get your hands out in front of the golf ball. Yeah, sure. So guys, this episode is brought to you by ShotScope, the all-in-one GPS and stat tracking watch, and it's sold out due to popular demand. So thank you. Everyone who went out and got in the game with the ShotScope, love having you. Check out the leaderboard. We're going to start doing more of that hopefully soon, Frank, the Golficity leaderboard on ShotScope. It's uh, G-I-C-I-T-Y is the code if you haven't gotten in there. So it's yeah. cool to kind of see how you st- st- you know stack up against your friends or anyone else in the Golficity Army. Um, so what is the watch? Like I said, laser-like GPS, stat tracking, uh, helps you improve. I mean, you've got all your stats. We were talking about it at the top of the show. Uh, great way to learn every part of your golf game, your weaknesses, your strengths, what clubs you use the most, what clubs you might not use at all, and maybe it's time to switch them out. Maybe it's time yeah. for a fitting. You know, I don't really use my hybrid. Maybe I should put a three iron in the bag. ShotScope told me that. So that's just one area. But I can go on and on the medals are cool when you earn certain things you know you know i shot my first round under 80 um for the first time in my life not long ago and i got a whole bunch of medals for that so really great stuff check it out you got to get in the game to see it visit shotscope.com slash golficity you could pre-order it you know even though it's sold out and then they'll notify you back any day now yeah they'll notify you when it's ready um and the price point's great it's you know it's such a, a very uh excellent i mean device i think it's right. all in one type of device is what i like you know with the stat tracking and the gps so and that price point what i like is there's no hidden fees because you buy it once and it is not a subscription after that yeah i feel like that sometimes this tech it seems like kind of like lower in price than it should you be you would think i pay you to hold on to these stats for me right but then like you got the device and it's like oh it's an additional 20 dollars a month no the, like all the data is your data it's all there and one of our favorite episodes that we do every year mike is our goals episode. Yes. And at the beginning of the year, we, we go over all of our goals. And at the end of the year, we go and see if we've hit some of them. Do we ever hit them? <laughs> we've hit some. Yeah. Wait, last year, we hit about half of them. But anyway, it makes our life easier because ShotScope is tracking the stats yeah. all year. Mm-hmm. We go back and let's say I want to hit 10% more fairways. I just look at my watch. I can see my seasonal trend. I can look at versus last year. Right. And I can see that. And then 
you know, it's all the information's right there. So it's always fun. It's 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 a great device. Yeah, guys, it is. Check it out at shotscope.com slash golficity. And last, just want to thank FootJoy, the number one outerwear brand in golf. It's getting cold. It's raining. It's dark. It's disgusting out, Frank. Yeah. But we're not going to stop playing golf. I hear it pouring golf. out there right now. I know. We're not going to stop, though. I know FootJoy, they're committed to helping us extend the golf season as long as possible with rain jackets and outerwear for every type of condition. So new to the FootJoy outerwear lineup is the all-new Hydro Tour rain jacket. Frank, yours is over there. We I'm should dress you up. Go grab it. You see it? Go bring that over here. It's so sweet. It's designed to withstand the most extreme weather conditions made specifically for golf with material that is quiet. Love that. Comfortable. Got to have comfort out there. Waterproof. And it moves with you during the swing. Guys, that's so important. It's super light. There it is. Frank's got it. You're going to look at that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. That's pretty. Um, You know, wherever you are, Northeast, New England, Scotland, Rain capitals of the world. Hydro Tour features patent new dry seal collar, which, which is, is one of my favorite things. Check that out. Double this collar. Collar here. It stops that rain from going down your neck. Yes. Ugh, Keeps it down the neck. I love it. Keeps it off the back of the neck. Guys, you could play more golf this year and you could play better. Check out the new Hydro Tour rain jacket and all the other industry leading rainwear from FootJoy at footjoy.com slash M E D P for make every day playable. Yeah. I'll tell you what. This Hydro Tour, we didn't even have it when we went to Scotland, right? I had a similar FootJoy jacket, yep. and this looks like you can tell that they've taken some of those things and built on them. But even just those sleeves, the way that they they get really tight, I found that that kept me so dry. Mm-hmm. That little, little, you know, detail, right? Kept me just, and you'd be surprised. It keeps you comfortable, and you keep playing. So that is. I can't wait. You can see the tags are still on it. Cause it just we should send you out there today. today to pick up the lunch. I can you, walk, you can walk and pick up there the lunch. There you go. Now. Yep. <laughs> All right. So let's dive into today's topic. Let's talk a little bit about getting your hands out in front of the golf ball. So um, this really is so key uh, in, in, like I said, we, you hear about a lot of buzzwords like compressing the golf ball. You hear about hitting down on the golf ball, generating backspin. All these things really are contingent on, on getting your hands in that right position. Mm -hmm. And you've heard other people say like forward shaft lean. These are all things to kind of like look for. Um, but really, and we talk about golf being a game of kind of opposites to get the ball to go up. You actually hit down on the ball and we did a whole episode on this and why the physics of that work. So definitely go back and check that out. You can get all the episodes in the golficity app. Um, but the way the golf club is designed, it's designed, especially with those grooves, that as you hit down on the ball, the cl- the ball actually rolls up the face and then, you know, it, it enters its like trajectory, so to speak. But that rolling is also what creates that backspin. But in order for you, that to happen, you've got to have a descending blow. Now, if you think about it, the flip, the flip is something we talk about. That's when you actually flip your wrists, right? If you're to do uh, a flip like this, What's going to happen is you're actually going to be hitting up on the ball. It takes a little bit of visualizing and kind of slow it down in slow motion in your mind. But as you flip the golf club, you're actually hitting the golf ball on the way up, right? Versus on the way down. If you have your hands out in front, it's almost impossible to flip at that point, Mm -hmm. right? Because you're driving down and through. I've heard people like saying like drive the nail and stuff like that. But as you're driving down and through, it's creating that action that you want. So it really is key to get your hands out in front of the, the, the golf ball. And again, proof and evidence of this is all the best players in the world do it right um you're not going to see i mean other than let's take one swing out of the equation and that's driver with driver as you saw and you learned recently in our trip to ball to straw 
The idea is to hit up. The idea. The idea is because in that case, a driver is a club that has very, very low loft and you are not wanting to generate backspin. Mm -hmm. Um, We learned this in our recent TSI fitting too. We talked about how to get the maximum distance. You don't want to create backspin. So like, let's say with a drive, you see what that ball that goes, the trajectory is kind of goes like this and then it rises up. That's happening because of backspin. The only mm-hmm. way that can happen is physics is backspin. The problem with that with driver is it'll rise up, but then it'll kind of peak and come down at a steeper angle. And that's when you don't get a lot of rollout. With a driver, you want to hit up so you have a consistent trajectory like this and it rounds off and rolls. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's the only club in the bag. You notice there's also no grooves on the face of your driver. So you're not trying to create that backspin. On the other hand, the backspin is what gets the ball up in the air nicely and creates that nice trajectory with your irons. And that, and wedges especially, is what creates that backspin that stops the ball where you want it to stop. So that, any other club other than driver, you really want to be able to do that. So you got to make sure that you're hitting down through impact. Um, And it's really, as I said before, with the flip, it's basically impossible to hit down on the ball if your hands are behind the ball when you make contact. If your hands are behind the ball, the club is probably making its way back up from the ground, meaning that you're hitting up, not down. Right. It's so common in in the um, it's so common in the amateur game. It's been my struggle for like twenty years because these things. They sound easy to do, but in reality, they're difficult. They're difficult to make changes. And and I always thought like something like flipping was something that was very obvious, but I have this, this, you know, this little flip, and there's so many things that can cause it. When we were at Five Iron the other day, and we were working with the coach there, and he was showing me something with my hips not clearing was part of why I was flipping, because my hips not turning mm-hmm. and rotating enough, I was jamming up with my hands. My hands ultimately had nowhere to go but to flip a little bit, right. causing a little bit of an upward attack angle with my irons so there's a lot of things there's a lot of causes to it which is what leads to it being one of the most common things in the amateur game which is why as we're going to talk theory here there's nothing that's going to replicate or nothing i should say that's going to replace a good lesson i mean how many times we said that like yeah still go on get the lesson get something specific to you if you get the opportunity to do so you know every time we see a new coach or pro yeah they always identify a different thing in our swing and something helpful yeah like we saw matt decker last week he gave us a couple of tips and then Mm -hmm. we saw brad and it's just every coach has got a different tip that's like an aha moment yeah that's why i think it's great to have different eyes on your swing 100 i I think it's also great to have that consistency of working with the same coach so you can build on things right but also it doesn't hurt to, to work with somebody else get a different perspective get a different take yeah but that's why i wanted to highlight that there's not going to be one main thing that's going to be the cause of this issue. There are a few different things. So if first, if we can, as we've talked about here before, first bring your awareness to what might be going wrong, you can kind of start to workshop it yourself and see if check some boxes. Am I doing this? Am I doing that? And at least identify the benefit of putting the work in to get there. Mm -hmm. But then you may want to take a specific lesson with a coach. But going in with the coach and knowing what you want to work on is key. Because a lot of great coaches are the first thing they'll ask you is what do you want to work on? Right. And if you've got that awareness of your game, like we talked about in the Twitter tap-in, where you can say, this is where I'm struggling. And even more so, if you can back it up with some stats, that's why we say it's important to keep track of your stats. Mm-hmm. You know, like the guys who are saying they were working on three irons, uh, you know, four irons and hybrids, you can say, this is what I need, and you'll get more out of your lesson. But hitting down through impact is important. It's another thing, too, with, with keeping the hands out in front is what helps you hold on to that lag. 
And we've talked about lag before. Lag is really where they generate the power in the swing. Um, the best golfers have mind-blowing lag. I mean, you look at their position just like milliseconds before impact, and you're like, how are they there? Like, look yeah. at John Rahm mm -hmm. or some of these guys. And there's so much lag built up. But in order to hold that lag out, you've got to keep those hands out in front. The second that that club face gets out in front of the the, the hands, the lag is gone. Yeah. The power that you generate in the golf swing is that last moment when you, you're building it all up, turning the big parts of your body, and then at the last moment, you're releasing that, right? But if you release it too soon, you left it. And that's where we, we see so many amateur golfers hit their max speed of their club head speed back behind the ball and actually are decreasing in speed when they get to the ball. Hmm. The best golfers actually reach their max speed even after impact because they've got those hands out in front. They haven't released it yet. They haven't let it go. So that's where, too, getting those hands out in front is also going to give you that better ball speed because you're going to hold on to your lag longer. And, of course, it's going to create that backspin. Right. Yep. It's very difficult. Even with all the technology and clubs today, they're, they're – Clubs are great at being forgiving and, and generating extra spin, uh, which is why if you haven't upgraded your clubs in many years, it might be worth a look because they're always getting kind of better. Um, but even the best club is going to have trouble generating much backspin if you're hitting up on it. Right. And this is something I mm -hmm. identified as a problem in my swing because when I even went for the golf, the ball fitting that we did, we saw that I was really, and I'm working with Kevin Sprecher on this too, really relying on height to stop my golf ball on the green because there's basically two ways to stop a golf ball. Either you get it way up and let it drop down in a steep angle mm -hmm. or you create enough spin that it can come in a shallower, you know, trajectory and stop because of the spin. Well, because I was hitting up, I wasn't generating a whole lot of backspin and I was relying on that height to stop the ball. Now, what's the first thing that happens when you get a really windy day? It's a disaster, yeah, it right? Is, yeah. so that's where we are working with Brad Worthington, and he was showing me something that I had to see and feel to believe, but how low you can really you know, get the trajectory of something like a wedge shot mm -hmm. and still hold the green if you've got that nice downward strike. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about 17 at Sunset Valley, at my approach shot. I have that, I just watched that video last night, and I just, I swung so down, I took such a huge divot as usual, yeah. and the ball off my 60 degree wedge came out super low to a green, yeah. and it just stopped and it spun back. Yeah. That's it's when insane. I was standing on the green for that, You were right? standing on the green. Yeah. You were videoing it from the green. Yes, because I'm... It's because of you I have that footage. Thank I'm you. I'm replaying that in my mind now <laughs> that I do remember that. And that's what's what's crazy about it. And that's why, I mean, in that case, you did take that tremendous divot, which we're going to talk about divots in a second, mm -hmm. because you had that hugely downward strike. Now, the good part about that divot is it was out in front of the ball. So right. you hit the ball first, then the ground. If you had done the reverse and hit the ground first, you would either cut under that ball or you, you'd lose instantly. It's like hitting the brick. It's like actually it's like hitting a brick wall. Mm -hmm. You lose all of your speed before you get to the ball. So a couple ways that you can kind of find that right hand position. And this is where, again, it, it gets tricky. It's, it's tough. But if you can understand the fundamentals conceptually and then work on practicing them, you'll get there. And one thing, again, it all comes out of fundamentals. We always talk about this. But one thing that you can do, and I've learned this this season more than I've ever learned before, is in setup and takeaway, the first moments of your swing, so much, you know, so much happens there that sets you up for success or failure. It'll blow your mind. Yep. Uh, you know, some people say like the setup is 90% of the swing. You haven't even taken your swing yet. But if you get yourself in a good position, you're going to be 
ready to go. So one thing is, if, if you're in a bad position, a bad position might be where your hands are already starting out behind the ball. So if you're already starting out behind the ball, you're basically telling your mind that this is where I want to get back to at impact, right? Um, a good example of that is like Matt Wolf, like that move he makes. Right. He's kind of like locking in where he wants to be at impact and then taking his swing. So if you're just standing there, obviously we don't all do that crazy Matt Wolf move, but just standing there and you already got your hands behind the ball, most likely after you swing, you're going to return to that position. And your hands are going to still be behind the ball. So what you can do is, and this is where we talk about shaft lean. That's where you're you're actually leaning that shaft a little bit forward, your or or forward press. Right. Some people call it pressing those hands out in front of the ball before you make your swing. And you can do this a couple times. You can do it as part of your your stationary setup, or some people use it as a trigger almost to start the swing, moving the hands forward a little bit and then swinging. Now I can tell you that's exactly what you do, Mike, because having edited hundreds of <laughs> countless hours of our videos and seeing your swing in every possible speed. Yep. I can tell you, and, and I even know when to cut videos now and start videos because I know exactly, you could be standing over a ball for a minute. I know exactly when you're going to start your swing because you start with a little forward press. Get out of here. You probably don't even know. I have doing. no idea. Yeah. So look at one of your swings in <laughs> slow motion and that's exactly. What do I do? I'm just like giving a little. No, not your body, your hands, which is exactly what you should be doing. Okay. So what you're doing is right before you go to swing, you're pushing your hands forward a little bit and then you're starting your takeaway. So you are showing yourself a, a, a and this is why it's a, you do strike down on the ball so well. But you, you do, you're showing your mind a little bit of like, this is where I want my hands at impact in front of the ball. And then you're doing it. And I've been doing the same type of thing. I've been working on it ever since that thing with Brad Worthington of just, he showed me that. He, uh, he said, you know, before you take your swing, just kind of like push those hands forward mm -hmm. a little bit. I don't care when you do it. It's timing. Everyone's timing is different. But just kind of getting those hands in front of the ball just a bit. Or sometimes I do it even more hmm. dramatically. If I do, if I've got a wedge in my hands now and I want to play that really low spinning shot i'll put my hands way out in front of the ball first and then start my takeaway just reminding my body hey at impact i want your hands six inches in front of the, the ball you know yeah interesting he's, he's i know what he's doing he's looking up his swing over there he wants to see if any other tips right. you found out of my swing <laughs> this is what like i, said, I get a free one this That's is it. one this, free one this is what comes from from countless <laughs> like three years of hundreds of hours yeah, of editing yeah, video um Another thing, and we talked about this recently, is making a, the backswing, making a good turn at backswing. Um, again, I, I don't want to go back through everything because we talked about this so much in that episode, but I can't tell you how much I've learned recently that a good takeaway is going to set you up for that impact position you want. I've been working on it with, um, with Riley Hamill. Yep. Uh, who is, he's a writer for Golficity. He's, he's, a um, instructor and he does an amazing job at analyzing video. Um, he's actually done it for a lot of people in the Facebook group. If you're not already part of the group, make sure you join. Uh, but I sent him some of my swings and we really, the first thing we focused on was working on my takeaway mm -hmm. and you'd be surprised at how much more consistency you're getting through the whole swing with just fixing that takeaway. Yeah, I bet. So that's a big one. And then the last thing I'd say here is definitely commit to that downswing. And Mike, what are some of the reasons that you end up not committing to a swing? Uh, I just don't. I feel like I don't have the right club. Yes. That's yeah. the number one for me. Yeah. That's the number one for me. And that's where it's good to like both strategy and execution. Like first, really think about what club you want to hit and why, but then lock it in. We all do it. I know it's going to happen again, but I'm just trying to remind everyone that if you can not step up to the golf ball with second guessing 
what club you have, and it happens on par threes, a little bit of wind, a lot. I had a soft eight or a full nine, right. you know? Yeah, that thing. And then, I mean, what happens is it's still in your mind, and you get to the top of your backswing, and then you do something where you lay off of it. And that non-committal is often going to mess with your timing, and that's where that that sometimes that flip happens and that club gets out in front. So a good, strong, committed t- uh, swing is going to get you to the top of the backswing and make that committed turn where you don't decelerate. You can see this really well and you can see a lot of golf problems really well in those smaller swings half swings chips right things like that because even with a chip you want that hands out in front when you see that someone like d cells look what happens is that club just flips out in front versus taking the whole body and turning it and just pulling through so that's important so practicing it is going to be very important we talked about divots earlier Divots is going to be a great indicator. Look and see, is that divot happening behind the ball, in front of the ball? No divot at all. A good downward strike is going to create a divot after impact of the ball. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, again, if you're getting a good downward strike, most likely you are getting your hands out in front where they need to be. I can tell you, talked about it a little bit earlier, but impact bag or smash bag, whatever you want to call it, has been a great one for me because once that club hits that bag, you know, it stops the club head and the hands keep going. It gives me that feeling of what it feels like to have your hands out in front. There are a number of other training aids and training devices. I'm thinking about like, let's see, there was the, uh, there was an impact club. I forget what it was. Um, there was one that like, it was an actual club that showed you where your hands should be at impact and they're out yeah, in front. Yeah, what was that? I'm trying to remember. That'll that'll come to me at some point. Mm-hmm. But there are there are a number of different things there that that'll it's help. Just the impact show snap you. too. There's the impact snap, which makes that sound and and yeah. shows you. So you're 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 that helps you with holding out that lag. Um, there are a lot of different ones, but really, again, use the the setups. Um, the setup scenarios we talked about earlier as your starting point for fundamentals, and then use whatever feedback you can get. If it's a, if it's uh, a divot, great. If you're practicing on a mat uh, that's it's no not real turf, mm-hmm. um, a good thing you can do is take your phone or any camera you have and set it up as a you know face on um, angle like this, and then just see if you can slow it down, slow motion, try to even freeze frame yourself at impact and see where are my hand position. Uh, all those types of things are going to give you the feedback and then you can work on getting back to where you need to be. And trust me, once you've identified the problem, the number of resources for drills for getting better are almost limitless. You can go on YouTube and just search, you know, hands out in front of the ball or yep. whatever. You're going to see a, a ton of, of great um, drills that you can do. But again, speaking from my own experience impact bag has really helped me yeah i could see that yeah and just hitting that what was that like 30 bucks i think it was like 25 bucks on amazon you know it's the the skills one is the one i got s-k-i-l-z i I believe it is yeah and you feel like you could swing like indoors a full club maybe like a a wedge into it oh yeah in like a 10 foot ceiling as long as you got enough room to swing, yeah. you can hit, or or if you don't have enough room, you can do little half swing half shots. Swings. Just take it, you know, uh, kind of waist high to waist high. Um, but just putting that impact bag just a little bit out in front of where the ball is and then just swinging through and hitting that and just feeling it and then holding it. A lot of people talk about, and this is a big thing that Hogan talked about, was getting that wrist kind of like bowed at impact just a little bit. And if that wrist is bowed, it means that the club head is down here. So it means that the the hands have to be out in front. So I, I thought that was a great takeaway in Hogan's book too. Just talking about that. I think he calls it about the supposition, whatever it was, but he said the, um, 
just that little bit of bowing versus cupping. Cupping yeah. is like this. So if if you picture the the ball is right here, cupping is like this. So you would have to be be you know your hands behind the ball, and bowing is like this. So your hands would have to be out in front of the ball. Gotcha. That's what you want. Yep. So you can look for that in your swing and impact. This should be a little bit of a bow, and not a cup. So, but all use those tools, use the tools of videoing your swing, uh, taking pictures, whatever it may be, using the feedback of the, the turf, whatever you can to try to get that and just see, am I getting my hands out in front? Yeah. Sounds easy enough. Sounds easy. Sounds easy but enough. no matter what it is, you got to put the work you in. You definitely do. You got to put the work in. You definitely in. do. All right. So that's everything we have for you guys this week. And get to the show notes by going to golfisty.com slash episode 347. Or as always, in the Golfisty app, which is free for iOS and Android. Uh, you can go to golfisty.com slash app. Or of course, if you're watching this on YouTube, all of those links will be in the video description. Download the app for free and you can go back and listen and would view some of those different episodes that we were referencing here um that's everything we have so we'll see everybody again next week 